And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch. From growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Basinger, who'll be sitting in for Matt Watson today. That's a lot of Matts. And hi, Matt. The more Matts, the better, Matt. I agree. And, you know, it's really Matt that makes this podcast and even this episode of Startup Hustle, which is brought to you by Fullscale.io, probably the greatest podcast hosted by someone named Matt. Is that fair to say? I think it is, uh, would you say, guilty, true till proven false. True. I think is how how that works. I agree. I agree. And, you know, I think I probably should share because I like people to have a very transparent view of Matt. So I heard a Matt say that at homeschool today, the history of Wu-Tang would be the subject. I'm not going to say which Matt. I'll let the listeners guess. My kids but are six, four, and two, so it'd be that's, well. That's, I, uh, I've got five and three, so maybe we need to form another, a, a bigger, a larger class. And I, Facebook has this new rooms feature, so we could try it out and see what's if up. If Wu Tang is forever, it should start now. You might as True. well prep them when True. they're young. Well, we're going to talk about how to pivot, and you know that's just really probably no better subject and guest to help demonstrate that. Now, Matt, you've been on the podcast before. And you know, for those of you that, that haven't listened, I think we talked about live experience. Uh, and you are a master at this stuff. You're the CEO of Swell Spark. You guys do so much stuff, everything from escape rooms to axe throwing leagues to drive through sanitizer pickups with another guest of ours from our alcohol startups uh, episode, which was Jay Rieger. Um, Dude, you have a history of pivoting and you seem to be someone that pivots into greatness. So we're going to talk about that. And I think maybe I'm going to hand you the mic and let you give the backstory and why the hell mega pivots had to occur. Yeah, man, it's uh, our entire business model is founded on the principle of getting people together for shared experiences. And you can't do that right now for there's this thing. We won't talk about it, that yeah. sh- which shall not be named. But we went from, uh, you know, 100% revenue. We went from really the best four months we've ever had in the history of our company to seeing 0% revenue overnight, which, uh, you know, I know you've done some business podcasts, but that's not good uh, yeah. to to not have any sales at all. And, and obviously we have hang leases. On, hang on, hang on. I'm going to do the math on that. Great. Yeah. yeah Multiply. No, re- no yeah. revenue is not good. Zero times zero is zero. Yeah. All right. Sorry. <laughs> it's bad. Proceed. It is, it yeah. is all bad. Um, you know, and I think... Uh, in in the early really first week it, i was trying to 
rack my head around and you're reading all the headlines and you're feeling sorry for yourself and you're just thinking, what are we going to do? I was on a phone call with a handful of other businesses around the Midwest and, you know, the first week, the first day that all of this was kind of dropping, we were like, hey, we're going to do whatever we can to keep open, to keep our employees happy, to do all of this. And if if someone would have just been recording those phone calls, you know, the tone over the course of week one to week two, like by week two, it was literally bringing an HR attorney onto the phone call of like, hey, how can we take care of our employees the best given the circumstances? What is the difference between a furlough and a layoff? And and obviously, you know, tens of millions of people were put in that predicament, 240 of which were at my company. So we went from this kind of well-oiled machine overnight to a handful of us at headquarters saying, what what on earth are we going to do now? Um, and, and I think in general, I, for better or worse, you know, my wheels are spinning and it's like, not so much how can you take advantage of this opportunity? Those aren't the words that I would choose per se, but like, what, what can we do? Like what positive impact can happen with this? Um, you know, Andy over at Jay Rieger, they were able to very quickly, probably one of, one of the best in the country, quickly turn and start making hand sanitizer at their distillery, you know, in the East Bottoms. Within days. Like, you know, like, Within days. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, it's very impressive. And uh, they're really, really good at producing, you know, and they were really good at producing, but they were limited with staff. They're limited with their actual facility. And they had people, I mean, they had to bring the police in to help police traffic, right? Like the line was sometimes two to three hours long and people would get through the line and there'd be no sanitizer left, um, which is not good, right? It's not, that, that wasn't making people happy. And even though they were doing this incredible job, providing this incredible service, there were many people who were having a bad taste in their mouth because they're saying, man, I didn't, I didn't get this thing I waited for and I need it. So we had nothing to do. Right. And we have these great facilities over Kansas city. And we, we said, Hey, what if we took over the distribution, you know, the customer facing distribution, you focus on hospitals and government agencies and these folks that need these big bulk purchases, but we're really good at setting appointments and communicating with customers. And so we, we set up these, contactless drive-through hand sanitizer drop distributions all over Kansas City, we got to a point that I think we were serving a new customer like every nine seconds. Um, and it was wow. all prepaid. It was all, again, all contactless. So literally people, you know, show us their name, pop their trunk, throw it in the trunk. They drive off happy. Everything's good. And so I think really quickly it gave us some hope that we still had a role to play in all of this and that there were still things that we as a company could do to help our city, um, but also to kind of, you know, pay the bills, keep the lights on, make sure that we had a business to come back to. So for those of you listening, you know, I love it when you're interactive. If you want to check out some of the stuff that Matt does while we talk about some of these uh, other pivots and amazing innovations, let's, we got a list here. So go to swellspark.com. That's S-W-E-L-L spark. Dot com you have blade and timber.com breakoutkc.com and then we will also soon talk about sinkerslounge.com now you know we mentioned we're talking about how to pivot um in our first episode we talked a little bit about that about how businesses have you know a, a good entrepreneur has the ability to evolve change uh, in software development they refer to that as agile 
and, you know, just being able to kind of make the best out of the worst situations. Now, you know, it's been a while since you're on the show and it, I, my last, uh, I think my last interchange with you was you sending me pictures of yourself with your kids at a monster truck rally in the full scale suite. Yeah, man. Um, me almost getting stuck in the Philippines. And you talk about that changing timbre of the, of the way that goes. I did like a five or six part series called the Corona diaries about that. And it was like, all of a sudden you're like, shit, what, what, what are we going to do? And you weren't the only person in this situation, but you know, obviously you can't have an ax throwing league or a breakout or a escape room socially distanced. It's difficult. So You know, I think, I don't know where you want to start, but I, I would, all right. So we mentioned the, the drive up, uh, the drive up hand sanitizer pickup. First off, I think that's genius because not only were you able to help Rieger out, you were able to help your own business out. You're, I'm assuming that kept your employees busy. It just kept things moving. Not to mention it wasn't exactly bad promo. Sure. So, you know, that didn't hurt, but, you know, past that, so that, that do you, are you still doing that or did that, Mm -hmm. did you kind of meet that demand or is that still part of what's going on? I mean, literally just yesterday, you know, if you were to have gone to the target on, I think 151st street in Overland park, you would have seen a sign out front that said, this is what we have in stock. This is what we don't. And hand sanitizer is still one of the things that they didn't have in stock with regularity. Um, and so we're still doing drive-through hand sanitizer distribution out of our Bladen Timbertown Center location twice a week. We actually just sent uh, a pretty decent uh, portion of hand sanitizer on a truck that will go on a boat out to our Honolulu location. So we're about to start doing Honolulu hand sanitizer distribution as well through our location, you know, on island. Um, there's there's absolutely still a need for it, and I think at the end of the day, you know, for for many people, from a safety factor, or from a perceived safety factor, to be able to to one, know in advance that the product is available, be able to drive through, not have to talk to anyone, not see anyone, get it, go home. It's very different than having to go into Target, look around, see if see where it is, you know, interact with people. Um, so I, I think we've found that even beyond the initial rush to try to get this in homes, there still is a desire and a place for the way that we've set up this brand new process. Um, so yeah, so that's so, that's been so, encouraging. So with, with the- with a how to pivot moment, I mean, how do you look at that and determine if that is, so you're, you know, a, a pivot for the sake of pivoting, it doesn't fix anything. It's There's certain criterias that you need to meet. Obviously, it's got to make sense for whatever it is that you're doing. You have to serve some kind of need. But what were, what were some of the, you know, with the, with the drive-through sanitizer thing, how did you evaluate whether that pivot was any good for you or like what was, the, what was your thought process going into that? I think the big question is what's the risk, right? Like what's the worst that could have happened if sanitizer didn't work out? It's like, well, we would have tried it and it would have failed and we're still at 0% revenue. So whatever, um, at the end of the day, you know, you, any business, any startup, and we really have to re-embrace the startup mentality, you know what your runway is, at least you should. And pretty quickly when we went to 0% revenue, we said we can sustain at 0% revenue through, and at the time it was June 6th. That was the day that we we're like, this is the day we run out of money, June 6th. Um, and any time that we sold a bottle of hand sanitizer, jokingly, we were like, each bottle is worth, you know, 48 seconds or something like that. <laughs> so you start you start adding things up. Um, and 
again, like the initial heart of it was, okay, this could be something that helps our company from a revenue standpoint. But I think even initially it was like, yeah, we can, we can help get this product into people's hands. And if at the end of the day we make no money, but people say, Hey, we saw what blade and timber did during this really crappy season. Um, that's not a, that's not a bad thing either. As you mentioned, Matt, like we have received, I think some pretty, some pretty good press from this. And, um, I think that is largely due to the fact that we were able to get this up and going so quickly um, and, and that we were able to help people. I think that's what's been really fun in all of this. And why I love my business is at the end of the day, in the normalcy, when we're just doing Blade and Timber, like we are often providing the most fun that people have that week or that month or that year. So I really believe that we have a huge value add into people's lives. And I think with this as well, like it could, it couldn't be more, Blade and Timber couldn't be more different than hand sanitizer distribution in a parking lot out of a white van, you know, but we were able to provide something that made people's day or week or month better than it had been before they interacted with us. And so it was strangely still in line with, I think, who we are and what we stand for as a company. And, and fortunately, you know, we've, we, we, we swung and we, we hit something. And so, um, with pivoting and again in situations like this there's so there's so little risk i have infinite time available right now um and so the thought was what what can we actually do with it and fortunately that was an eloquent answer and solution yeah and i think that i i, I can't i can't even think of a better first thing to look at like what's your risk i i don't have any Okay. Sounds like a good place to start. Like you could literally swing and miss and miss and miss and miss and miss and miss and miss. And miss. I mean, if you have the time, you have the effort, it doesn't raise your costs. Um, it's not something that you have to sink money in that would have shortened the runway. So it's a very, very good point for how to pivot. All right. So that took care of some of the issues. Uh, or I'm, I'm assuming not all of them. Um, you know, p the interesting thing about pivots is, well, much like a startup, you often don't know if they're effective, worth continuing to pursue, or how they're going to affect your overall business until later. Right. Um, I, I, I think that your crystal ball is probably as fine tuned as mine, um, which means not. Uh, so you've got this issue. So you have these escape rooms, you have blade and timber and all right. So I'm going to paint the picture because I am a, a customer at blade and timber and it acts throwing. If you aren't familiar with it, it's it's become kind of a sensation. And I, you know, there are uh, uh, other people besides Blade and Timber. It's kind of everywhere now. But at the same time, this is like the thing in Kansas City. People go to Blade and Timber if you want to go throw axes. My wife had deadly accuracy right away, which made me kind of not want to come back. But I'll be back we'll soon. forever. Right, right. Well, no doubt. So you have all these spaces, you have a somewhat large footprint, your stores are in, uh, like the one near my home is in a busy strip mall with lots of traffic. I'm sure that's not cheap. How, how are you looking at that stuff? And like, how do you approach like, okay, what do we do with all this space? Because obviously the drive through isn't going to satisfy that. Um, I know some of this is I'm kind of throwing it up near the rim for the online stuff, but I don't even know how you came up with that. I mean, I, th I thought that was brilliant. You know, just to talk about the space issue, I, I think one of the really fascinating things that's going to come out of out of this whenever this ends, if it ever ends, is 
I mean, there's a lot of retailers that won't make it out, right? There's a lot of entertainment facilities that won't make it out. There's a lot of people who have realized that they really are totally fine with shopping online and don't ever need to step foot in a brick and mortar store again. That said, uh, there's a lot of retailers who are going to do really well once they reopen because of the experience that they provide. Um, and so our conversation, you know, we have 11 leases, 10 leases uh, over, over our portfolio. And our conversation with our landlords has looked very different depending on if they're a mom and pop type landlord or they're a big national national group. And at the end of the day, I think every landlord does and should want us back, right? Like we're great tenants. We're anchor tenants at many of our spaces. We bring people that spend money at our facility and spend money at all of our neighbors as well. So they want us to come back. So there has to be some flexibility, you know, in order to, to allow that to happen. But it is a weird situation when you say, all right, man, we have, you know, call it 70,000 square feet of retail and we honestly can't use any of it. Like it is just sitting dead space right now. Um, and, and so the big question again was, okay, chalk that up as a loss, like, but what, what can we do? And so we, uh, what we started to find, if I can switch subjects just a little bit, right? Once we had the sanitizer thing up and going and kind of figured out those processes, we have these other brands and the other brands is like, well, what else can we do? Um, one of the brands that we're about to launch is called Sinker's Lounge. It's an upscale mini golf bar, uh, you know, in Power and Light, downtown Kansas City. It's like a new take on a very historic, nostalgic uh, it's mini golf, right? Everyone, everyone loves mini golf. Everyone will, will do mini golf, but um, we were trying to think of what people could actually do at home. And I'm not going to sell like at home ax throwing kits. That's that where this is not, it's not realistic. Um, Just what, what could go wrong? Nothing, nothing would go I've wrong. Been, I, so, so wait, so I need to stop practicing ax throwing no, at home? You should, you should okay. keep practicing. Okay. You specifically. For those of you listening, we do not condone. I'm not recommending that you. <laughs> I don't want to get a message through the at Startup Hustle podcast Instagram or a picture that shows your axe accidents. Yes, no accidents. Yeah. Um, but we, we, you know, we we thought about doing like a virtual escape game, but quite frankly, I couldn't wrap my head around what that would look like early on. You know, early on is five weeks ago. Um, but mini golf, like most people already have the venority of the supplies to do that, which is a golf putter and a golf ball. And so we started looking around at how we could create like a more structured mini golf that you could actually play against other people who maybe weren't in your house. Um, and I think after a couple of days of brainstorming, we realized that if we were to create kind of a visual structure that people could utilize over zoom or over Squadcast or over, you know, any of the other kind of video chats that you could make it so that Matt, you, Matt, can play in the comfort of your own house, a mini golf course that me, Matt, can also play in real time against each other. And it's kind of like, you know, Ikea or Lego, like it tells you exactly how to build these courses very quickly. Um, and so we, you know, kind of same thing. We demoed it. We're like, does this work? Like, is this worthwhile? Should we give it a shot? And then the question, again, what's the risk? Like if this fails, at the end of that, like three, three, four weeks from now, if, if something, somebody tried something during COVID and didn't work, no one's going to care. I just, I'm like, oh yeah, 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 that there is whatever. But we tried it and we, we, I made this video that I filmed myself in my basement at like 11 PM and we threw it online. And within 48 hours, we had been picked up by Forbes. We had been picked up by, you know, all the biz journals, every local new, new media source. 
um, these putt putt, uh, you know, people from all over the country. I shouldn't say putt putt. Please bleep that out, Matt. Give me two bleeps. Beep. Mini golf, uh, these mini golf connoisseurs all over the country saying like, how can we get this? And so we we were able to make about 50 kits uh, out of our machine shop in Kansas City, and we sold sold out in like 48 hours. Um, there was a super high demand for it. And so what's been really fascinating about that is it, it's raised the question of like, what is the long-term ability of this product? You know, what, how can we make more of these? How can we improve this? It, does this have legs after COVID? And I think we found the answer is yes. And so we actually... I mean, we're, we're patent pending on that product. We're talking with folks overseas of how we can make it either faster or slightly less expensive. We're talking with other fabrication shops in Kansas City of how we can outsource some of that so we can make more of them because we have more demand than supply that we're able to create. Um, we're actually, I'll, t- I'll tell you about this another time, Matt, but we're, there's a, a major Kansas City golf charity tournament that's supposed to happen in July. And we're in conversation with them to transition the entire thing to an at-home mini golf tournament that would be, uh, you know, it, it would be announced broadcast. It would have, you know, some of the big names of Kansas City being like the on-air broadcasters. Like, and now Matt DeCourcy lines up for the putt on par four. Um, so it's, and, Matt, it, again, and Matt misses the one-foot <laughs> tap-in, which is, tap, the, tap, is what, wait, wait, you have to, you have to do it. He, you have to be really quiet, right? Like, are you supposed to, as if, as if, as if the, and he missed it. I can't believe he missed it. Still never understood that. Were, were the announcers like right there on top of the <laughs> golfer? Is that why they whispered? Yes. But okay. So yeah. All right. In our, in the first episode, and uh, I, I'm making notes to put a link to that um, in the show notes, we talked about your, your lab of sorts. And I, I, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate a, an entrepreneurial mad scientist and so you, you know, you, you described to us this, basically a workshop, fabrication, all different kinds of stuff. And you mentioned, you know, we make a lot of different stuff and sometimes it's cool. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes we use it. Sometimes we burn it. Yep. And, you know, so when, it, for, when, when it came to the, the sinkers and the online concept, how long did it take you to actually create a prototype? Like, how long did that pivot take to be like, okay, we got something here. Let's see what we got. You know, the initial part of it, we had two, like company-wide, we had two staff members left, period. That was it. Um, And we had a meeting. I remember it was a Wednesday. And I said, look, guys, uh, it doesn't make sense for us to, like, we can't keep paying you because we don't have work right now. We don't have any projects. I said, but if if we can create a vertical that can at least pay your salary, I will keep you guys on, right? Um, and so we had about a two hour brainstorm session. We talked about making masks or, you know, doing these other PPE products and things like that. We couldn't get the supply, but this was an idea that we've been talking about for some time. And we said, you know, can we do this? And they said, yeah, like, we'll, we'll do that. And, and they worked their tails off, man. I think they, they might've pulled an all nighter. I'm honestly not sure. They had the first prototype within 24 hours of that conversation, like a full prototype of what we were doing. We all played it together in the offices, you know, realized it needed some kind of adjustments or editing. They had the secondary prototype within 24 hours of that. I took that home over the weekend, made the video, made the website, and we launched on like Monday or Tuesday of that next week. Um, 
So soup to nuts, we're talking, you know, 72 hours from idea to implementation. Um, so I mean, you it, was, new, it was silly. You have some new stuff to figure out, though, with that, because you haven't <laughs> been in the business of, of, of well, when I say e-commerce, I'm not going to say you're not in the business of e-commerce because you can book at your stuff online. And, you know, once again, go to swellspark.com, bladeandtimber.com, breakoutkc.com, make a reservation for like later and, you know, help a small business out. But at those places, like an online reservation and a booking is way different than creating a product delivering a product, sourcing a product, and then doing it in an, okay, so uh, how long is it going to take to arrive? You know, like, and that's one of the things that's been challenging for anybody that delivers a product right now. It's like, uh, you know, we were talking with Chris Kovac of Riverwatch Beef and um, he, he can't make beef jerky. They had to change their beef jerky recipe because the salt that they get comes from Europe. And it's just like weird shit that yeah. it's and it, and and guess and guess what if you're an entre- if you want to be an entrepreneur and you haven't done it yet there's always something there i i say that all the time and it's usually like me yelling to myself i'm like oh there's always something you know and that's like and then i get it out of my system and i accept the fact that there is always something so what there, was there the is, something though. what there was is, the there's... something with that the- you know, talk about that that for just a second. I get to speak at colleges and high schools, you know, with some regularity. And uh, when we first launched any of these products, people are like, is that really going to work? Like, how are you going to make money? And it's like, you know, you run the numbers. I like, There's 2.4 we'll million people. If I can get one-tenth of one-tenth of one-tenth of those people to buy in, I'm going to make X, X amount of dollars. It's like, we don't need everyone to like what we're doing. We need a couple. Hey, by the way, I want to I want to weigh in on that because you said one tenth of one tenth of one tenth. We've you know we've spent so much time talking about pitches and plans and realistic expectations and goals. One tenth of one tenth of one tenth. I don't give a shit what you're doing. That's a good place to start, right? Because I get people that they'll throw me a, throw us a business plan. They'll say I, I want full scale. And by the way, you know, go to fullscale.io. You can see. Learn more about our company. We've invested Matt, the other Matt, and I have invested over a million dollars in startups in the last year, and we see a lot of pitches. And people, if I if we can only get ten percent of the market share, I'm like, you just told me your definable market's thirty million people. <laughs> I'm like, it's so so. You're saying if we can just get three million users, this this boat will float, and. I would rather hear if we could get one-tenth of one-tenth of one-tenth. And I think you can take that out as many exponentials as you want. And then you're being realistic. But yeah, now, is something like, you talk about creating a prototype product in three days. You're not going to have packaging for that and stuff like that. Did you just, I mean, is that some of the, you, you did mention earlier, you can get away with a lot of stuff right now. Yep. Like, you, the last time you podcast with us, I was like, dude, you're going to have to come to the studio. I don't know if we'll do <laughs> that again anytime soon. It's like, right. hey, wait, I can just stay at home right. and not have to do stuff. But, you know, it's, so, so, you know, what, was that one of the things or are you just like, hey, fuck it. It's no, no, it's not important right now. Yeah. I, at the end of the day, I think the product outweighed the perfectionism of it. Right. Like 
it, it is better to be done than to be perfect. And thank you. I, I think we knew, right? We know that all of the people who are going to buy Rev One of a product that was launched in seventy-two hours probably understands that it's a Rev One product. That it is a minimum viable design. That it is a COVID-made something. You know. And, and quite frankly, we also knew that, I mean, our audience, at least what we initially pushed it out to was people who had already come to Blade and Timber or Breakout KC. It's not like we were spending advertising money and putting this on Amazon. Like these were people who already had familiarity with Swellspark. That said, those folks, I think, have a little bit more grace than maybe your typical customers because they already have an understanding of who we are as people. So like, for instance, one of the products that we, that we shipped out, it was broken. And the dude just emailed, he's like, hey, Matt. We love Breakout KC. Just want to give you a heads up. This was broken. It's kind of a bummer. And I'm like, hey, I'll meet you Monday. We'll swap it out. I'm so sorry about that. And so we kind of hoped and expected that that our early adopters of this would would understand that this is going to be something awesome, but it's not going to be perfect. You should not expect perfection. It's going to show up in a brown box and the instructions are online. Um, and, and I think that's been okay. Of course, we're looking at how to make it better and the next iteration will be better. And And all of those people, we've been asking them for very direct feedback. And they've been giving it to me, which has also been really nice. They're like, instead of just the LinkedIn, you know, folks saying, oh, this is so cool. And you get all the likes and hearts and whatever. It's like, I have people that are like, hey, man, this is the part that really sucked about it. This is what was really inconvenient. Um, and because I have some trust and some relational equity with those folks, we've been able to get that. Um, to your point, as we, far as we went, figuring. We went through a lot of that with the mixtape app, like, because, you know, we had been working on mixtape, the game, the app for a long time. And our CMO, Joel Johnson, is also the creator of that. And, you know, we played it and it, I, I kind of pictured myself in your lab and we played it and we were like, because it's a card game and then we've turned it into an app. But we built the app after the card game. And we quickly like sat there and we we're like, something's missing here. And, you know, we said, well, the best way to do it, let's let a bunch of people play this and, and really push them to tell us why it sucks. And they did. And we changed a lot of stuff. And the number one thing was, if this isn't fun, what's the point? And I would imagine that's got to be pretty high on your checklist as well. Yeah, man. And I think what's, you know, within this, Again, I know that you know, maybe call it disappointment. There's probably people who get who get sinkers at home and they were like, you know, that was cool, but it, it wasn't as good as it could be. On the same note, because these folks were my early adopters, when we perfect this thing, you can, I mean, you Send can bet your bottom one, yeah. dollar. I'm going to ship them a yeah. new one and, and give them a huge thank you because were it not for their investment in us, you know, it wouldn't exist in the first place. They were willing to take a risk on us. Um, because of that, I was able to keep two people employed for an extra four weeks to the point that now I have, you know, they, they have a lot, much longer runway than we had at that point in time. We've extended our runway for those two guys from 48 hours to now it's December, you know? Um, so I'm incredibly grateful for the folks who did take a risk on us and we will make it up to them, you know, whether it's just because of the rev, we know the rev two will be better. Right. So when that happens, we're going to make sure that we take care of people. Um, how, how so. to pivot rule two seek aggressively seek feedback early. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we've talked about that so much. You say nothing's going to, it's better to be out. It's better be out than to be perfect. Uh, hey, look, there's brilliant, insanely wealthy, influential, creative genius people that are really well known for saying, Hey, if you, if you don't look back at your first release on anything and go, God, how do we release that? 
and meaning like if you don't look back at it with absolute terror, then you hung <laughs> on to it for too long. Like get it out there. Let let the people that'll use it and and like you said, develop a relation, develop a reputation for okay, those first 50 people, they weren't your customers, they're your products partners. Mm-hmm. You know, you're giving them something. And like you said, when we'll send them another one because yeah. their input in the end is way more valuable Absolutely. than what, how much were the, how much are the sinkers kits? 20, yeah, 30 bucks or they're 120, 120. bucks. They're not, okay. they're not, sure. they're not cheap. Right. And it's, I mean, it's handcrafted out of wood. So we had to, that was kind of the mark where, where it made sense and made time. And we released it with 36 different holes. And so from the get go, 120 bucks is going to get you bare minimum four hours of entertainment. It's like, that's, that's pretty good. You know, that's, that's worthwhile. And you have something to keep so you forever. Get, you get the kit and you get the, you built, you build the whole, hole by hole with, is that what, how that works? Yep. Yeah. Genius. So you'll build like a frame Genius. and frame will last you nine holes. And then you're only changing around what's inside that frame. Um, to make it so that again you're get, you're able to change the hole every minute um, to get these new putt putt holes and again like Matt we could play against each other I'm gonna get you a kit and we're gonna play mini golf Love against it. each other it's gonna I, it's gonna we, be a we might need to, we might have to play it on the podcast because we have Deal. some games we need to play we've been wanting to do like a Highlander rules version of mixtape <laughs> where there can be only one and we play yeah. it to the death um, now I have a question for, in my mini golf kit how hard is it to ship that giant windmill that I can never put the ball uphill and through the hole on. Yeah. Is that, is that a, a logistics problem for delivery? It is. It is, you know, and the windmill only takes and the about clown, 10 hours. The large clown. Well, the large clown the, just comes out at night when you're sleeping. So no big deal. True. True. <laughs> true. Um, no, oh, man, wow. we've, been, we've, been, we've, been, we've been playing with augmented reality of how we can have some of those types of things uh be a part of this and again i think there's going to be a rev two and a rev three of what the sinkers at home kit looks like um but at the end of the day again if nothing else like i think people see that we're doing our best to make good of a crappy situation and that is what we have right now and and i think an hour or two of reprieve where like like matt if you're anything like me i love facetiming with my dad you know i love talking to friends but like just sitting and talking is hard it can be it can be challenging um whereas when you have something like dude if i'm outside in my backyard playing catch with someone i can have a 10-hour conversation because there's just this like you're doing something um and so that's what we tried to recreate for folks and and you know fortunately we've had some good luck we're, we're in the middle of making a whole bunch of kits getting ready for father's day as well doing a pre-sale for father's day and um so we're we're very fortunate that some of the swings that we have taken during during COVID have actually worked out pretty well. So once again with us today, we've got Matt Basinger, the CEO and magical creator at SwellSpark, SwellSpark.com, BladenTimber.com, BreakoutKC.com, SinkersLounge.com. But wait, people, there's more. Okay, oh, so... I recently, and what actually made me reach out to say, I think we need to do a podcast soon, was I saw you talking about virtual escape rooms, meaning like we're going to do the escape rooms online. Let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. Again, we can go back to, we have this brand and we have all these people who love this brand and we have people who love escape rooms and we have companies who want to do something with their staff other than sit on a Zoom call. Um, what we didn't want to do with breakout in particular is release a crappy product. We want to, if it was going to be something we wanted to be representative of who we are. Um, 
and really I think it was actually a group out of I want to say like Switzerland or something you know one one of the countries I've never been to that did this and the name is tough right because you think you see virtual escape room I think a lot of people think it's like a you know like a cartoon or a video game or something like that but almost like an avatar based escape room where our game guides are the hands and feet and you're telling them what to do and so we took this existing escape room that we have. It's actually our get out games, um, which most people have not played that. We take it to fairs and festivals. It's a, it's a semi truck that has a full escape room in the back of it that we take around to large companies or school districts or whatever. And so for lack of a better word, call it an asset, right? It's like, and I'm looking at this thing in our, in our driveway of our world headquarters, world headquarters. Um, and I'm like, man, what, like, what can we do with that thing that is just sitting there? Um, so we had to really, we had to strip out a lot of the components and remake this escape room so that it would make sense through a screen instead of, you know, like using your own hands and feet, but we were able to remake it in a capacity. Um, I've been in my friends who've gone through, it, I was like, all right, Hey, be real with me. How fun is this compared to like a real escape room? You know? And we knew the answer was not it like, it's not the same just and we knew that beforehand but they're like 85 to 90 percent as fun as a normal escape room and when you extrapolate that out we have people who say the escape rooms are the most fun that they've had all year and so i'm like okay if we're if we're 90 percent the best thing you've done this year that feels like a good product that feels like something we can take out to the market and so yeah we put it online uh you know had had some demos made sure that it worked um and and now i mean we're fully booked this weekend right like we're starting to get to the point where people are booking days days in advance and i think what's really fun with it is again you, like not only can you do it with your business of all your other people who live and work here in kansas city but if you have friends in virginia or new york or san francisco or whatever like this is a this is something that you'll always be able to do i think this was a product that has life beyond covid because it allows you to connect digitally um, and have these somewhat face-to-face -face interactions with your friends or family, no matter where on earth they are. When we were talking about the escape room, uh, your escape room business and your other episode, you, one of the things we talked about is on a corporate level, that's a good team building exercise. Now, what you just described reminded me of like, okay, if you've ever, like, if you've worked at a corporate job long enough, you got thrown into some retreat somewhere. And one of the things they make you do often is have to tell the other person what to do. Like you can't use your hands, but you got to tell the other person or, you know, they blindfold someone mm -hmm. uh, or whatever. And it's challenging, but it's, it's a different feel. And, you know, I, I think that's pretty cool. I would imagine you, the response to that was good because we also talked about with the escape room, there's some people that'll come back and do it more than once, but you have to change that up a lot because some people it's like, hey, once you it's like that thriller movie. Once you've seen the ending, it can be some people aren't going to watch it again. Some people are right. cool with it. Some people aren't. So uh, did you see more adoption with the people that are the customers that you knew were like really escape room uh, enthusiasts? Yeah, man. Regular. Yeah, they were. Yeah. I mean, that was absolutely, you know, when we first launched it, I went on to all the enthusiast Facebook groups and whatnot and said, Hey, we're doing this thing. And we already have, you know, we're pretty widely recognized within the enthusiast community as one of the better escape rooms in the country. And so um, we had some early adoption from that. And I think the response has been, 
which which makes me feel good is like hey this is the best digital version of an escape room we've ever played um and it was it was not typical of what a lot of other escape rooms have tried or are doing um but uh, you know if you love if you love a good cheeseburger and you're like man the best or pizza you're like my favorite pizza is this one place in i don't know chicago giordano's is fantastic uh I can't get that here in Kansas city, but like, I still love a good deep dish pizza, even if it's not my very, very favorite one. And so to have things that mimic again, in these strange times, right. <laughs> to, to have some sense of normalcy or some ability to have fun that is, is different than what you've been doing. I just, again, we, we love that we've been able to provide an opportunity for people to come together and have fun. And at the end of the day, I could care less how we're doing that. If that's what we're accomplishing, uh, it, it feels good and it feels in line with, with who we are and what we're doing. Okay, there we go. How to pivot rule three. Your pivot should be in line with your resources, your expertise, your client base, your passion. Um, pivoting into something you're not passionate about, you might as well, in my opinion, you might as well just shut down the business because um, if you're, I mean, your passion for what you do is driving you through bullshit right now. And, you know, we, we've had, had so many episodes about uh, VC funding and we always ask them, we're like, do you like the jockey or the horse? Who do you like to bet on? It's always the jockey. It's a jockey every time, but then, so, okay. So what are, what are the qualities of a founder that you want? Passion, passion. Tell me why. Because people that are passionate about stuff, they don't settle for failure. They have a positive outlook on stuff. They don't quit when times get rough. Now, it, as as all of this came down, and you know, so I've been dealing with my own issues. I've ninety five percent of my employees are literally on the other side of the planet. Uh, have a whole different set of stuff like that in my Corona Diaries series. I was talking about like all these contingency plans and all these different things that you need to do and all this stuff that you need to figure out. But really, in the end, like if you don't have a positive outlook, it, like the very first decision you need to make is: Am I going to sink or am I going to swim? Yeah. And if sink is the option, just go ahead and go to the bottom. Don't bother. Just don't even move your arms and legs. Just get it over with. And failing fast or sinking fast in some cases might be your best option. But if you're going to swim, you need to get moving on that. And I think, it, it, you know, like I said, there's no there's no in between on sink or swim because the in between is still like 25 feet below the still sink. Right. Yeah. You're yeah, you're you're technically sank there. So, you know, I, I, I think the next how to pivot rule is you got to be positive about what you're doing, um, you know, and you have to any CEO or a founder is that needs to be the best salesperson at the business. And that doesn't always mean to clients or users or, or people. It's sometimes the people that are around you. Now, I mean, has that been difficult? Have you had any issues with that? I think you're inherently uh, positive and innovative, but even, and I am too, but dude, I have had my days. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, still having the days, right? And I think there, there's a difference between like, so we have these core foundations of our company. Um, and, and it was fun to actually identify them. We went through a process called EOS that was fantastic. Another conversation for another day. 
but the first tenet of our company is joy. Like we want to represent joy in everything we do. And, and I think a lot of people hear that at the onset and they, they say that joy and happiness are the same thing. They are not right. Like I do not have to be happy to be joyful. And joy is almost that idea of like hope that you're going to make it through in this situation. That's what it is, right? Like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to maybe positivity isn't even the right word. Like I am just adamant that I'm going to make it through this. Um, and I think to what you just spoke about, one of the, you know, we've had so many conversations with our friends who work in the banking industry and, you know, we've, we've been looking and trying to find what the best banking partner, best investment partner, all these things are looking forward. And challenging I, right I, now, by the I, way, I, challenging. Yeah, dude. Yeah. But, but I absolutely guarantee you know, from this point forward, every loan application, every loan conversation, one of the questions is going to be, hey, what did your company do during COVID? What did you as the leader of your company do during this? And I think there's a lot of restaurant folks who it's been interesting to watch the difference of some restaurants are just like, we can't operate exactly how we were operating. So we're out like I'm done. We'll reopen at some point. And I, and I don't, necessarily disagree with that but there's been other restaurants you know who have said we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pivot we're going to make our business make sense for this new climate and you know i was talking with a guy who runs a restaurant uh recently his sales were up 70 percent in march and april because he found a way to stay open and to stay open well and so i i not to say i look forward to but when banks or you know people who want to invest in our company ask me what did you what did you do to you know make your business work when everything went to crap i'm gonna say <laughs> let me tell you you know we did this we did this we did this Hang we on, did hold, this. Hold, hold my yeah. beer hold my beer <laughs> and do, um, do you have a chalkboard i'm gonna need yeah. i'm gonna need some wood i'll need a couple assistants i need a magic wand i need one of those hats that you can pull a rabbit out of and then i'll be able to tell you the story but yeah man hey man welcome to entrepreneurship and you know it's uh uh I love being transparent. So you know, we had got to the point at full scale, like before I left for Cebu, I was like, I literally had a moment. I was like telling my wife, I was like, ah, oh, Jill, these last two years, it's been so much work and it's just, it's really starting to pay off. And then I got in a plane. I almost got stuck on the other side of the planet. I came back. The world was completely different. And I spent a lot of days like, I'm like, whoa. Um, but you know, really in the end is you, you talk about that positive thing. If you, I have some people now that have worked with me for 10 years, and I know you have some people that have been with you for a long time that you will, you can't, you will spend time with me and eventually hear me say, Hey man, everything usually works out for me. And, and it almost always does. And that's the attitude I take. I don't necessarily know when I say that I, I have to believe that. And sometimes I accept that something working out. I think that things are often evolutionary. Like it's very Darwinistic sometimes because, you know, you're seeing businesses that are going to fail and aren't going to come through this. Like was JC Penny really on the upswing? Was Sears really fucking crushing it? Like, we're, I mean, should you really be surprised? They were on the way out before any of this, but, you know, and, and I think that 
uh, you know, we saw the same thing in 2008 during that financial crisis where, you know, I mean, the Darwinistic thing there was we got rid of some really, really bad banking and lending practices. And if you, yeah. you used to be able to, I, okay, I, I once owned a rental home and I went to go get the loan straightened out and the guy offered me like nine different products. One of them was the no income, no job application, Ninja. I'm like, I don't even need, to. he's like, it's stated income. Just write down what you make. And I was like, like what I really make? Or he's like, just put a fucking number down. I was like, I don't think I want that loan. But, you know, those are just bad practices. And, and there's a lot of things that change. And look, it, that it, if you're hearing that and you're saying, fuck you, DeCourcy, it's because you're salty that you might be subjected to some Darwinistic activity. Now, some people have great businesses that are under a lot of pressure, but if your business is great and you're great, if your innovation is great, if the people that support you are great, you're going to do fine. You're going to come out of it. You will figure it out, but you need to start swimming. You need to start swimming. Do not just sit there and float. I think, uh, you know, I'm not a scientist, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of talking. I am. It's true. I'm a social scientist. Not that kind of science. There you go. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, noise in the conversation about covid just to talk about covid for a quick second but i think one of the one of the things that has been the most simplifying for me that has helped me understand it is in short the covid-19 pandemic has made you twice as likely to die which you can take that from a health and wellness standpoint you can also take that from an economic or, or business standpoint right like if you're 97 on your deathbed and you are struggling with lifelong terminal illness, like you're twice as like, if you, if you had a 50% chance of dying today, you might have a hundred percent chance of passing away. And again, this is, I hope no one takes this the wrong way. Um, talking about the health point because it's very sad and I don't mean to diminish that, but I think from a business standpoint as well, if there were businesses that like there, you know, there's a 50% chance that they make it out of this year pre COVID COVID comes along. And I think it, it, if on an oversimplistic standpoint, it's like COVID, it makes it twice as likely that you're going to fail. Um, and I think that may be somewhat accurate, right? Like if JCPenney yeah. was going to go bankrupt at some point this year, this just sped that up a lot. Um, yeah. And and I think the businesses that do come out of this are, are going to probably do pretty dang well. There's just going to be a lot of, a lot of businesses and folks um, economically who don't. And that's, Again, that's a bummer. That's another conversation for another day, but it's a refining process. Um, and, and my hope, right, we're hell-bent on making sure we're one of the ones who make it through. I don't know yet if we will. I sure hope so. I think we will. I believe we will. Um, no, you're going to be fine, man. I, I, the, reason, the reason the investors go with the jockey and not the horse is because jockeys, like, it's kind of like the same thing as like a, a prime athlete. Like you look at, okay, Patrick Mahomes for the Chiefs, right? Year two comes back, wins the Super Bowl. You'll hear the announcers. The Chiefs are really learning how to win the game, not just compete, but win the game. And you look at like, okay, so in every single playoff game that the Chiefs were in, they were down double digits and won double digits. Like that's not, you don't have someone over on the sideline going, well, guys, I mean, halftime's coming up and we're fucked and. You know, there's 80,000 people here and uh, millions watching, but we should just phone it in. I don't even, I'm not going to play the second half. Like if you heard your sports legends, if Michael Jordan sat out the flu game, 
right? You know, and all of that. I mean, all of it. And, and you know, the, the, the thing is, is no matter where you look at it, you have to try to win. I mean, and if you won without trying, you probably weren't playing at your skill level. Sure. It's just that simple, but there's a, a general belief overall in, in winners that they're going to find a fucking way to win, or they're going to do what it takes to get in that position next time and get back in the game along the way. So, okay. Uh, as we round out once again with us today, Matt Basinger, CEO and social scientist at SwellSpark, SwellSpark.com, BladenTimber.com, BreakoutKC.com, SinkersLounge.com. There will be links to all of those in the show notes. Now, the first time you were around, uh, we usually end with what we call the Founders Freestyle, but I want to have a failure freestyle because uh, you told, which is a Hall of Fame fail story in our first episode about your first night with, uh, in an escape room, cutting your hand, passing out and then you peed your pants. So yeah. And I don't know if there's been a better story. Like I, and I, I don't think you, you listen to the podcast all the time because I've referenced that about five or six different (laughs) times. So I keep letting the world know about that, but what's something, what's a, can you share a, 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 you, when you brainstorm, okay, they, they say there's no bad ideas in brainstorming. Ah, maybe. What's something you threw out? Hmm. You know, I think uh, in the initial days of COVID, brainstorm, it's, it's funny. I actually kept it in my whiteboard notes for a little bit, but we had this idea of like, this is going to, this is going to drop sales by 40 to 50%. And uh, within not a hundred within five (laughs) days, you know uh, that, that had changed. Um, And now we're coming up on, we'll have, we'll have some locations that will be down for for three months. Um, Golly, Matt, I feel like it's a bad answer to your question. You know, I just, I usually just bank on my pee in my pants story and that gets me through and people ask other failures and that's, that Dude, covers you, you shouldn't, all of need, my you shouldn't ones. need a b-side to that album i mean that's like a number one hit i mean and and but no i you know i think well that is a fail in sorts is like it's and that's an optimistic outlook but by the way i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you my i'm gonna close this episode out with the final rule of and we talked about this earlier but it is it you gotta be realistic Right. You got to be realistic. And there's a difference between optimistic and realistic. Now, I've written two of my three books have the word realist in the title. So I think you understand where I come from. There's optimism and there's realism. And, you know, like you got to kind of straddle the line in between two of them. But you got to be realistic with what your expectations are with your pivot. And, you know, like uh, you mentioned, like not everybody has to like it. And if you're expecting everyone to just jump on board and be like, dude, this is it. Where was this my whole life? Okay, if you get that on the first try, please go to fullscale.io, go to the contact page and sign up to be a guest on the podcast because I want to learn more about that. I really do. Some people get it right. I, I'm not kidding. That doesn't happen. That that does happen. But you got to be... You, you got to be realistic and you got to not be afraid. I, okay. As an entrepreneur, I try 10 things. I'm hoping that one of them works. 
Sure. And I've tried so many things or like I, dude, I have a book, like literally you mentioned the whiteboard. I, it's my black book and I write stuff down and I'm very religious about it. And I go back and look at it. It is, I mean, some would look at it as a Harbor full of unsailed ships, which I'm okay with, but you get enough of them in there. You're like, okay, here's, this is the yacht. And this is the dinghy and sometimes letting those things stew. And I think with pivots is, is, is make sure you're not watering down your effort as well. Cause being good at a couple things. And I think you appreciate that. Cause you're like, Hey, look, we're an escape room. We're an ax throwing venue. We are uh, online mini golf and check out sinkerslounge.com. You had a great point. Father's day coming up. My dad, I'm going to buy that for my dad because my dad, who's almost 80, is a golf enthusiast and he's stuck in his home. He's so bored. Yeah, man. I think he'd love that. I think he'd love that. And, uh, and by the way, so I'm like the world's worst golfer, despite having an athlete and athletic background. My dad at 77 years old, if we went out and golfed, would still beat me. Now he's oh, yeah. a great golfer, but I, the thing I'm worried about here is he's going to smoke me at sinkers. So, you know, it's okay to fail, Matt, right? It's okay to fail. One, one little thing, you just, you triggered something for me, uh, in, in a good way. It's funny. Um, one of the most disappointing things for me personally, in light of everything that's happened over the last six weeks is once we, you know, we had to lay off a lot of staff members and and I don't, uh, that sucks, man. Like it, it is absolutely the worst, you know, I filled buckets probably with tears. Like it wasn't, it wasn't fun. Um, and we actually laid people off before we had to, right? We kind of saw the writing on the wall. And so before shutdowns happened, we decided to close so that we Realistic, had more runway man. to reopen. And we had there was one, there was one former employee who kind of posted online some, some somewhat negative things, you know, that broke my heart. Cause I really like to be liked. It's just like a core thing of mine is like, man, I just wish everyone loved me. And this, this person made it pretty vocal that they did not like me in that moment. And I was I was talking with a mentor of mine. I was like, man, I just, I hate when people are mad at me. And he's like, Matt, why did you go into business? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've gotten over that. You know, that's, yeah. that, that's, uh, you know, I, I've had, uh, this point several hundred employees over the last decade and, di- and different ventures. And, you know, I've learned that people that were my all-stars and I did everything for them. And I'm talking, going out of the way, overpaying them, doing everything I could to help them get what they wanted. And unfortunately in some situations, okay, look, you have to become very binary when you're an entrepreneur, like, and, 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 you know, so uh, Spock from Star Trek was, had no emotions. You got to get kind of Spock-like on some of this. Now, at the same time, you want to have a shitload of empathy up to that moment. Like I went through the same thing, like an evaluatory process. And actually, we made some slight changes at full scale. And I took, I literally had some, okay, so we just, what we did was we narrowed our focus. We're not, we're not seeking new clients for two different types of technology, which meant that we laid off a very, very small number of people. All of most of which have unfriended me on Facebook and talked shit or said something. And I'm like, you know, I, I won't do that about you. I appreciate the time you had here. I'm freeing you up for your future because we had to make a decision that was in the best interest of the business. Uh, Thad Langford from Flyover Capital was on a couple of weeks ago. Survive and advance. 
you know, I, I've seen so many businesses that they're, oh man, ship's headed to the rocks. What should we do? The right answer isn't wait till you hit the rocks. Right. And, and it sucks because, you know, sometimes as an entrepreneur, a manager, anybody, when you're doing the best job you can for the business, not everybody likes you. Right. And, and it's, it's part of it. I, it took me a while. I used to be the same way. I didn't like it when people were mad at me. I accept it for what it is. Um, if I'm making decisions that are in the best interest of the business, the people that work there, so on and so forth. Um, now, uh, with that, I will say like our staff and we, you know, we still have just under 200 people. They were really understanding uh, about some of the stuff we needed to do. And, you know, maybe that was just because the, it, there could have been some little a uh, little bit of self-preservation in there. But, you know, overall, like that's the end. And, and look, these things fade. These things fade. People get over stuff. Some of those same employees that were shitty with me over the years, if I had to make a change or let them go, I saw them later and they're like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I was kind of an asshole on the way out. I'm like, I, I get it. I understand. I, no one likes getting fired. No. But then I ask them, I'm like, so what have you been up to? And they're like, oh, well, and you see them light up. Yeah. And they're like, you know, I mean, most of the time. Most of, some of them sure. are like, my life turned into shit. I live next to Joe Dirt and I'm hooked on meth. I'm like, well, that might have happened anyway. Because um, yeah. th those are, you're making bad decisions. But I saw a lot, I've seen a lot of former employees that over the years, they're like, and some of them, dude, I've had some of them tell me, they're like, you know what? I did a shitty job. And thank you for firing me because it woke me up. Yeah. It made me realize like, like I was late to work three days a week. Like, what I would have fired me too, but yeah. it takes time. These things fade and these, you know, the, these things go away either that or they'll just fucking hate you forever. Uh, regardless, it is what it is. You can't control that part of other people. So now speaking of control, something I do want to control is going to sinkers lounge, breakout KC blade and temper. I'm going to open up all the tabs, try to figure some stuff out. Now, uh, you know, we didn't give enough, uh, we didn't give enough shout out to Jay Rieger and Andy Rieger uh, for turning their alcohol distillery into a mega plant for hand sanitizer. Um, you want to talk about how to pivot? We probably should have had Andy on for this episode because I, I, and I told you before we hit record, I said two days into that, I sent Andy a face, a, a message in Messenger. I just said, your pivot is genius, dot, dot, dot. And it like, you know, he, re you know, he replied, he, he, he replied with kind of the same thing. He's like, I went from having like revenue to none and it made sense and it's going to pop. I will tell you right now that the Jay Rieger brand is exponentially stronger yeah, in Kansas city than it was before. And, and the Rieger hotel has been downtown since the early 1900s. Yeah. You know, uh, so Matt, I've never, I've never had alcohol, never had a drop of alcohol in my life. Really? Another story for night. Yeah, it's not, I just haven't. Interesting. Uh, but I told Andy, when we're, when we're through all of this, I'm going to have, <laughs> Maybe I'll have my, a drink with you. <laughs> my celebratory single drink with Andy Rieger. It's almost, it's a better story to say I've had one drink than it is to say I've had zero. So I agree. I, perhaps if, if another, there's good, if there's a good why with it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. another video for another day, hopefully it doesn't involve any pants peeing. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're going to, we're well, going to learn real quick. If one's too many and 12's not enough, <laughs> uh, which, which is a country song that I've been working on about my own drinking habits. 
Um, I, 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 maybe I'll put that out soon. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to get back to work, man. This has got me excited. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to, I'm, I'm ready to, I, I'm one pivot away from greatness. See you next Appreciate time. You, See ya. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.